Now you may not realise it, but there is a strong chance that something is hidden close to a village hall near you, and quite a few people are probably looking for it. Hi everyone, I'm Johnny Thompson, and welcome once again to the Village Halls podcast, sponsored by Allied Westminster, the UK's largest specialist provider of village hall insurance, and the home of Village Guard. The mysterious world of geocaching is something I only came across recently thanks to social media, and one person in particular who has a real passion for it. And I'm delighted to say I've been joined by that person today, Jackie O'Halloran, who not only loves geocaching, but is also rather fond of village halls too. And we'll get on to explain how she's been connecting the two very soon. But for now, hi, Jackie, and welcome to the show. Hi, Johnny. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Now, Jackie, let's begin by helping anyone out there who's never actually heard of geocaching before. Tell me what it is and how you originally came across it yourself. Well, I first came across it back in 2010. It was actually a friend put something on Facebook and I thought, oh, what's that? And I was told it was a great thing, getting out walking, finding hidden treasures on a, a treasure hunt, which you can use a GPS or a phone for. Sounded great and a great way of getting my children out walking. So we went out and we, we found some and, and thoroughly enjoyed it. As the children got older, they lost interest, but I carried on and, and kept <laughs> yeah, I got home. Yeah, brilliant. And presumably when you say GPS, then you have to use coordinates or something like that. And that kind of helps you locate whatever it is that you're looking for. Yeah. That's right, yeah. Um, the coordinates are published of where you're going to find the geocache yeah. and you would then use either a GPS device or nowadays there are phone apps which make it a lot easier and you follow that until you get close to the location of the geocache and then there's usually a hint on the page which will narrow it down a little bit more to help you find it. Fantastic. And when you say a geocache, What is the treasure that you're hunting for? Well, they can really be very varied. You get large ones, which are sort of maybe the size of a a bucket, quite often uh, maybe a Tupperware container or sometimes an army ammo can. Yeah. And you also get very tiny little ones, size of a thimble, and they would tend to be magnetic, so they might be on the back of a a road sign or something like that. There are also some disguised ones, uh, which are quite sneaky. So it could look like a stone or it could look like a snail. Various different ones are hard to, to notice what it is. You know, very easily you'd think it's something else, but they are actually geocaches. The larger ones have trinkets inside them. And the idea is that you put something in and you take something out. And that's the great thing for the kids, because obviously for them, that's the treasure hunting but they all have a logbook and you sign your logbook when you've actually found it so these are kind of everyday objects then that you would you would swap over and you would put in just to yes. help you understand into the into the yes. box or whatever yeah 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 they are often things um just small things like maybe um little bouncy balls or rubbers or the type of things that you might get in a, a child's party bag uh, so not of a great value yeah but that's not the point. It's not, it's not the value of the object. It's just the finding it. It's the whole kind of seeking something down. As you it, say, treasure hunt is the perfect way of describing it, isn't it? That's what the activity is all about, is, is finding something that, that's otherwise hidden. Exactly, yes. Jackie, what do you do for a living when you're not 
chasing around the country looking for hidden things. <laughs> well, I, I work for the NHS. Yeah. Um, on my on my days off when I'm not working, you know, I I really enjoy walking and things, and that's where geocaching fits in well because it's a real great way of going out for a walk, but having something else to do, and it takes you to places that maybe you wouldn't know about. But because there's a geocache there, you go there and you suddenly find this great view, this history of somewhere that you wouldn't have come across. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I just want to say thanks for your contribution as well. I think, you know, anyone uh, works with the, with the NHS, we, we should continue to say thank you too. So, um, oh, thank you very much. Um, and, and yeah, you mentioned in the attraction of this. Why, why do people get so hooked on this, do you think? It, it can become very addictive, um, yeah. as, as I find out myself. <laughs> um, <laughs> on, on the map, you have um, a map of maybe a local area, and it shows where all the geocaches are. When you find one, they turn from a little green box into a smiley face, and it becomes very addictive, actually wanting all your map to turn into smiley faces, so you want to go out and find more, to, to get a, a map full of smiley faces. Yeah, it's almost like those old-fashioned sticker albums where once you start collecting one or two, you, you, you're completely hooked and you're not satisfied until you've till you filled the page and then filled the book. Exactly, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I can, I can understand it. And of course, you're not the only one out there where you're judging by the, the sheer number of geocaches that are, that are hidden across the world, actually. How, how many are there? Jackie. Well, at the moment, there are about 3,300,000 geocaches across the world. <laughs> um, that, that obviously goes up and down from time to time, but as a rough ball, ballpark, that's what how many. Um, there's, they're in 250 different countries and, and all continents of the world have got them. Yeah, so literally you could travel anywhere in the world and you can, you can start looking for, for a geocache. You could most definitely, and and I have done that myself. Okay. Um, in in the UK, I was going to say in the UK um, alone, there are over two hundred thousand in the UK. So right. very often they would be very close to where people might be. Yeah, absolutely. Wherever you are, there's going to be something something nearby. When when did this geocaching become a, a thing? Then Jackie, how how long has this been around? Well, it very first started in um, May. 2000 and there was a significant event that happened then that um restrictions on satellite reception were actually turned off and right. at that point it meant that the public could then use gps receivers and actually get a, an, an accurate location on them so when they were turned off on the 2nd of may and became public the day after there was a chap called Dave Ulmer, and he was a con computer consultant and lived in Oregon in USA. And he he had a GPS, and he decided that he was going to test to see just how good this accuracy was. He went out with a bucket full of items, hid it out in the country somewhere, okay. and posted on, on the internet, on a, a GPS user's internet group, the coordinates of it and said come and find it he wasn't sure whether anybody would but they did <laughs> actually within the first three days um he it, it got found twice yeah and quickly other people kind of caught on to this and started hiding their own ones 
And um, it only took a month, and the first one was hidden in the UK. So on 6th of June, we had our first one here. Wonderful. And, and yeah, here we are 21 years later, and there's millions all over the all over the world. Uh, and now, obviously, it's run with a proper website to find them. There's geocaching apps and things like that. At that time, it was just online posts where people were posting coordinates online. The, the first guy that actually found... Uh, Dave Olmer's cache was the one that did actually start up. He started picking up all the different online posts where people have put them and put them together on his personal homepage. And that was the the, the forerunner of the, the geocaching website where actually people could find them all in one place. Now, now, as I mentioned at the beginning, you're also a fan of Village Halls. In fact, you're a committee member of one. Is that right? I am, yes. I'm on the management committee at uh, Denmead War Memorial Hall, which is uh, in the south coast. Brilliant. And and that connection with a hall actually started something else, didn't it? Something you've called the Village Hall Series. So tell me about that and how that in itself has also grown. Well, it started uh, back in 2013 and um, I would already been into geocaching, but I decided that I would like to put one at the hall where I'm a committee member for people to come and find to highlight the hall, talk about the history and why it was there. Um, Obviously, as a memorial hall, you know, we've got the history of of why it was built for, you know, amendments of the the people that died in the war. In the war, yeah. Yeah. So um, I placed a cache there and it was very popular. A lot of people came to it. And um, I then thought, well, maybe I should place some, a few other local halls. So, Halls within a few miles of where I I live, I placed a few more and I started numbering them. Yeah. But obviously I couldn't go much further because I I need to be within a certain area where I can keep an eye on them to maintain the geocaches and things. So I then asked other people, other geocachers, if they wanted to place one at a village hall, then I would give them a number. They could place it a hall close to them, um, but I would keep a record of which hall had which number which I did, and it started spreading. (laughs) So how many village or community halls across the country now have a a geocache, either on site or, or, let's say, quite close by? So at the moment, we're up to 1,300 or just over 1,300 village halls. Uh, That's also community centres as well. So I say any place that has a hall which is open for the public to, to book um, for functions and things, so it can't be a private members club of things. It is a village hall type hall. Yeah. And um, yeah, we're in sixty-one different counties of England, Scotland, Wales. Um, we've got some on the Channel Islands and also Island Isle of Man. So Brilliant. it's um, it's it's spread so much more than I ever imagined. Yeah. You know, I thought at first it would be a few just close to my home. Um, <laughs> but, yes, takes up quite a bit of my time now. Just organising and sending out numbers to people yeah. as I'm constantly getting requests for new ones. It's a good thing you didn't have to put all 1,300 there yourself, otherwise it well. would have taken up all of your time, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Give me a few interesting examples, Jackie, of, of, of village hall geocaches, you know, without necessarily giving the location away, of course, because we, we don't want to spoil things for anyone. But uh, give me a few interesting examples of, of the kind of places that get hidden. 
Okay. Well, they're they're not all actually on the on the premises. If if they are on the premises, we will always ask the hall committee if we are allowed to place it there. So some will be on the premises because either they the hall committee, which we have got a few hall committees that have placed them themselves, or the local geocacher has asked permission to put them on there. If not, it may well be that the geocache will be placed just outside, so it's in in sight of of the hall, or slightly further afield, and there would be a bit of a puzzle that they would have to go to to solve to find where it is. Um, And up village halls, there's always lots of different number things. There's signposts with telephone numbers, contact telephone numbers, defibrillators always have a number on them. So those things are really very useful. So they might say... Find the number that's on the defibrillator and you use that to work out the coordinates of where the geocache is. But it's taken them to the village hall first before they've gone out. We've got a few that are at halls that are key saves, which are are, are quite good. So they're placed, the the hall have allowed us to put up uh, one of the digital key saves where you set a number to it. And it means that um, when they get there, they have to work out what the number is to open it and the geocache logbook and things will be inside it. And statistics seem to play quite an important part here as well, don't they? Because I understand things can get a bit competitive in the world of, of geocaching as well. So I'm interested to know how many overall, Jackie, you've you found and, and how many you've, you've actually hidden? Um, yes, it does get very competitive. Um, <laughs> people always like to sort of see if they can get to certain challenges and things like that. Um, so since I've been doing it, I've fa- found 8,700 geocaches and I've placed 192 for others to, to find. I don't know how you can do that many days out. <laughs> it's been over quite a, a quite a period of time, but I have had yeah. some times when I've, we've done big days. You know, I've gone away with friends, which is my preferred way of doing it. Although I do geocache on my own, I, I like it as a social event. So I'll go out with a group of friends or one or two friends, and we'll go out geocaching together. And we've had some weekends away and things where we've gone out just purely to find geocaches. Um, of, of those finds that I found, um, 650 village halls I've um, I've visited and found. So of our 1,300, I've found 650. So I've still got a few more to find yet. Right. I'm not the top, though. Well, you're are, not the top. No, I'm not the top. There's a few above me. that The, <laughs> uh, the guy that's found the most village hall geocaches at the moment, he's, he's found 902 of them. Okay. So, and he's he's very competitive. Doesn't want anybody else to get anywhere near him. So if anyone starts getting near him, he'll go out and do a big day of, of village hall caches to make sure he keeps at the top of those stats. Well, there's a challenge for everybody listening. You know that we're really laying down the gauntlet. I mean, nine hundred is going to take some catching up. I would think. <laughs> but uh, if there are any competitive listeners out there, you've been set the standard, and uh, that's that's the one to the one to go for for me. And I'm right in thinking that geocaching hasn't just taken you around the country either, has it? You, you've gone to other parts of the world too. This is not just in the in the UK that you've done all the all the finding. No, it's not. No, I, I've been fortunate enough before COVID to have been travelling to various different countries. And when I go somewhere, I always like to find some geocaches there in another country. So at the moment, I found them in twelve different countries. Yeah, um, and within the UK, again on our maps and the geocaching website it shows you 
how many counties you've been to. So a lot of people try and uh, fill off and find all the counties, find geocaches in all the different counties. So I've found 54 counties in the UK. So again, still a fair few more to go, but um, I'm getting that. What, which one stands out when you think of the overseas ones that you've found? New Zealand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Without yeah, that's a doubt, quite, that's it, quite a long way away. It's and quite spectacular, uh, absolutely well, yeah. beautiful country, and some fantastic geocaches in most gorgeous locations. Um, so, yeah, definitely New Zealand. Brilliant. Now, obviously, you're able to wear a village hall committee member hat too. So, tell me with both of your hats on, why why you think village halls make such good locations for for geocaches? Well, they're interesting locations and they're so different. Um, you get anything from old thatched roof halls, um, mm-hmm. listed buildings, to the green tin huts, which actually I really love, and then mod- really very modern ones. So they're always something very different and it, it brings people with an interest. There's usually a, a backstory to why the hall was built or who built it. Uh, when we write up the page for geocaches to come there's a, a lot of information that's put so the person that will put the geocache will find out a bit about the history what's going on at the hall activities that they're doing there and they'll write it all in the description which in turn is, is great for the halls and for the local communities because it's uh, giving them a little bit of advertising making people aware of a hall and what goes on there they take photos as well when you know, when they visit they'll very often take photographs of the hall which they'll then post with their logs and another great thing is if we have social events, which we do like to have and we have quite regularly, um, village halls make great places for us to have that. Tea and cake afternoons in a village hall are geocacher's favourites. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Nothing better. <laughs> and, of course, if there's a geocache at that same hall so they can have tea and cake and find a geocache, it's perfect. Yeah, so, the um, very best of both worlds. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's a great way of just attracting a, a, a different kind of visitor and a different different audience. And so, so, how can how can halls get involved in some way in this strange and mysterious and almost secret world? <laughs> <laughs> until until recently, for me, uh, of geocaching. Um, well, first of all, I mean, it's great that people may now know what it is. So, if they have a, a geocacher that comes to them and says, "Can I place a geocache?" then they'll know a little bit about it and what you know what it can do to them and, and how it can get people aware of their hall. Definitely. Um, as I say, we have had some hall committees that have decided that they would like to place one themselves within the within the hall. There is a, obviously a, a process to go through to do that, to write up the geocaching page and things. And most of the hall committees that I've worked with have done it, haven't had much experience in themselves in geocaching, although sometimes they've had a committee member that may have done it a little bit, so they know a bit about it. But I've been able to work with them to help them write their pages and give them advice on the best places to hide them or what it should look like and things like that. So if anybody decides that they would like to have one, um, they can always contact contact me and I can kind of talk them through the process of, of how to do it. And I, I know you're on social media because, as I say, I said at the beginning, that's kind of how we initially connected. But you've got you've got a Facebook page, you've got Instagram, and 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 uh, do you have a website as well? Chuck? Yeah, I do have a website. It's um, Village Hall Series dot dot com. That's W I X S I T E. Yeah. Brilliant. So yeah, so yeah, 
quite happy for people to to find out a bit more information that way and to to, exactly. to get in touch as well. Because so on yeah. there, there's a contact form that they can get in contact with me. Um, but it's it's a good way also if somebody wants to know a little bit more, go on that and um, just have a read of, about what we've done. And there's some pictures and information of uh, and there's statistics on there of, of what people have found. So it might be an interesting uh, interesting read. Yeah, brilliant, Jack. Well, listen the. The whole thing for me, I've, I've found it really fascinating. Um, I still haven't completely made my mind up whether you're all a bit mad or, <laughs> or, if I, I, or if I should have a go myself, you know, to be <laughs> honest. I, I'm kind of torn between them. I think you're right in both of those. We probably are all a little bit mad, but also you should definitely have a go at it. You never know. You might end up getting addicted as well. Well, that's the worry, isn't it? Almost it's a kind of worrying thing that one of those things, once you start, you definitely won't be able to to, to stop. But uh, it's great. It's obviously given you a, a, a huge amount of pleasure over the um, over the last several years. And uh no, it's 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 wonderful, and, and thank you so much for coming on and and for starting up the the village hall series as well. It's a, it's that sounds to me like a great way also to record the presence of these great institutions that we have here in the UK. And I I don't really think you're mad, by the way. I think it's all wonderful <laughs> and uh, a great way of getting out and about, as you said earlier, and exploring the great British countryside as well, of course. That's definitely it is, and who knows how many? Uh, I mean, there's obviously a lot more village halls out there. So, um, how many it will uh, go on to uh, to get to? I, I don't know, but uh, at the moment, there's no stopping people yeah. asking for different different halls. Yeah, I think there's about ten thousand, isn't there, across the UK? So, um, yeah, still some still some way to go. So, if we can encourage few more holes to get involved and also a few more people to get involved in geocaching as well at the same time i think that would be great yeah no it will be definitely well thanks again jackie for for coming on thank you very much for having me it's been a pleasure and uh that's it for us for for this episode other than for me to once again mention our wonderful villages awards there's five awards altogether, including an innovation award and an unsung hero or heroes award and you could win £1,000 for your local village church or community hall. So please mention that one to your fellow committee members as well, Jackie. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can find out more about the Wonderful Village Hall, the Wonderful Villages Awards on our website. Many thanks to our headline sponsor and specialist insurance provider, Allied Westminster, for making our podcast possible and whose services you can discover more about at villageguard.com and to online booking system provider, Hallmaster, who also sponsor our podcast and can be found at hallmaster.co.uk. You've been listening to the Village Halls podcast, a unique listening community for Britain's village, church and community halls and anyone interested in the vital community services they provide. We'll be back again soon with another episode, so please visit thevillagehallspodcast.com to subscribe, sign up for updates, link through to our social media pages and to find out more. But until the next time, goodbye for now.